Thank you, brother. Uh, brother Daniel is uh, out of the Winton Place Baptist Church in Cincinnati. I mean, I, I didn't know him before until just, matter of fact, this morning. Uh, and uh, Winton Place Baptist Church 50, 55 years ago. Brother David Collier and I preached a meeting at Winton Place Baptist Church. A weekend meeting. I preached on Friday night. Brother David preached on Saturday. And both of us preached on Sunday. And Brother Kelly Campbell was pastor there in those days. And, and so this is a church that Brother Daniel comes out of. And he left some cards up here if you want to get one of them about his, his work and such. So we're glad to have him. So come, Brother Daniel, and preach for us. Good morning. Um, it is a blessing to be here this morning. I uh, just want to first say thank you to um, you all here for your love and your hospitality towards us. Um, the room upstairs is very um, comfortable for me and my family. I'm just very thankful to be here. And um, by God's grace, I pray he bless us this morning. Um, if you would, um, my name is Daniel Pearson, and um, I'll get to my family a little bit as we go along this morning as I give my testimony. But my wife's name is Tierra Pearson. My oldest daughter is Soraya Pearson. Um, my second, my youngest daughter is Sydney. My oldest boy is Daniel. My middle boy is David, and my and my youngest boy is Darius. Um, we're out of Winton Place Baptist Church, where Daniel Holt is my pastor, um, and and we have been sent out of there um, under the authority of the Holy Spirit and under the authority of Winton Place. Um, our goal, just to just give you just our burden from the jump here this morning, uh, my, my goal, our goal is to plant the Lord's church in our community and to pastor that church. Um, I am not a church planner in the sense of I want to plant many churches in the inner city of Cincinnati, Ohio. No, I want to plant one church and pastor that church by God's grace. And if the Lord leads that we send out missionaries, amen. Can't wait till that day. Um, but with that being said this morning, let us jump into God's word. Uh, we're looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Please stand in honor of God's word. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 to verse 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ said, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you this morning. Thank you for safe travels down here to be with your people, Lord, at Landmark Baptist. Lord, I ask this morning that you will thank you for the thank you also for safe travels of all the members here and even the visitors, Lord. Lord, I ask that you will just bless us this morning. Let your word have its way in our midst. Let your word have its way in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning you will move upon our hearts and our minds. Lord, if you do not make your presence known this morning, if you do not touch, if you do not open eyes and open ears, everything I say, it's just, it's ink on paper. It has no power. Holy Spirit, you put the power in the word. Holy Spirit, you pierce our hearts through your word. You make the word a sharp sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. You can penetrate the hard heart. You can revitalize the, the stony heart, the, 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 the flame that may be dying or it may be even dead in our midst, Lord, the person who's just going through the motions. Sunday to Sunday, just going through the motions. Lord, you can set a new flame in our hearts. Oh, I pray this morning you will make yourself real to us, that you will will make yourself known even greater to us this morning. Lord, please bless us. We're beggars. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Every hour we need you. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning we're looking at the title, Living as an Ambassador. Living as an Ambassador. Um, I pray these are familiar verses, but this morning God will give it to us afresh. Here, the first point this morning I want to make is a new person. A new person. I have three points this morning. A new person, a new position, and a new passionate purpose. A new purpose. A new person, first off this morning. Look it up, verse, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. An ambassador... It's a different person than all others they live around. America has ambassadors in China, in Britain, in Japan, all over the globe. We have ambassadors. And they are different by nature. They're different than the very people they live around every single day. They have a different standard that they must live by. They have different laws that they must abide by. 
here, I would like to just go ahead and give my testimony. The, the old things here, old things are passed away. That is good news. But that's not good news unless old things have passed away in your life. For 19 years of my life, the, the old things had me engrossed. I love the old things that I used to love. And let me give you a picture of what the old things were. In Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 4, 1 to 3. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 3. This is the old things. And you have he quickened, Paul says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a dead person get out of coffin. I've seen many people try to grab their loved one out of the coffin, but they just did not get up. I've seen people give the, the dead person the coffin a kiss, but it was like kissing a wall. There was no coming back affection from that dead person. You and I, before Christ, were dead. You know what that meant? That, that meant God was blowing kisses at you. You had no affection for him. God would say words to you, speak words into your life, and they did nothing for you. You were dead. You were a corpse. I was a corpse for 19 years of my life. I was a dead man walking, a dead man breathing, the living dead. Yes, that's what I was. Everything God said, everything a preacher would say, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher. Womp, 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 womp. It had no effect on me. I, I, I walked into church. I grew up in the church. I was baptized in the church at 10 years old. I was. I went into the water a sinner. I came out the water a wet sinner. I was lost, dead. And then, as, as he says in Ephesians, wherein in the time past ye walked according to the course of this world. I walked by the world standard. Everybody had their pants down to their ankles. I had my pants down. Getting gold teeth was popular around me, so guess what I did? I got gold teeth in my mouth. And having dreadlocks and, and smoking and drinking that was popular, going to clubs, I did it. I walked by the course of this world. Then he says a little farther, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the church of disobedience. You know what he's telling me? I was possessed by the devil. How many people really would claim that? I, when I think about possession of the devil, I think of all these scary movies. But that's where I was. I was possessed. The devil had a hold of my soul. He had a hold of my life. What he wanted, I did. He was working in me. It was the devil's possession, Paul tells us here. Then he says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know what you were? You were dead before Christ. You may not have gold teeth like me. You may not have dreadlocks like me. You may not have been smoking and drinking and going to clubs like me. But you were dead also. And you were possessed by the devil also, a child of the devil. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. Even today, right now, you are a child of the devil, not a child of God. Then that's what Paul tells us here. He says, we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I was on my way to hell. Before 2006, if I died, I was going to hell. I was destined for that place. That was going to be my destiny. But in 2006, praise the Lord, I walked into the church one Sunday morning. I went to church because my mama taught me to. 
I didn't go because I was really wanting to go, but I went to fulfill my religious quota. Some of you today are just coming to fulfill your mama or your daddy's or your pastor's religious quota. I just came to fulfill that religious quota. I was dead. I sat in the back of the church. No offense to anybody in the back, but I love sitting in the back because no one can see your head going like this the whole service, right? I, I love that. I, I, I sat back there. I did not come to be. I did not come to see God. I did not come seeking God. I came be, to be seen by others as a good little boy. All the while, I was fouling my sins. I loved the world. I hated God. The drinking. The drugs, the fornication, the bitterness, the anger, the love of money, the love of living life without God. That's where I was. But that Sunday morning, that sweet Sunday morning, God got a hold of me. He got a hold of me. You would have asked me that morning, Daniel, why did you come up front? I would have told you I was possessed. Something got a hold of my feet. I don't understand why I went up front. I didn't understand quicken. I didn't understand being born again. I didn't understand being transformed. I didn't understand any of those things. All I know is I needed a Savior. I heard Jesus that morning. I heard the gospel all my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That hung over my kitchen table as a, as a kid. But it had no effect on me. But that morning, the Lord spoke to me. I heard the Lord. No, I didn't hear Daniel, some deep, tentative voice. But I heard him in, in the gospel. I heard his love for me. I heard how he died for me. And I surrendered my life to Christ. I became a new creature. It's the but God. That's what, that's what Paul paints for us in Ephesians 2 verse 4. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy. You were dead. You walked by the course of this world. You were on your way to hell. You were a child of the devil. But God, who is rich in mercy. I like to call this the but God book. The but God manual. The whole gospel can be summed up in but God. This whole book can be summed up in but God. Adam and Eve sinned, but God gave a promise. Cain killed Abel, but God raised up Seth. God was going to destroy the whole world, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jacob was going to die to the famine, but God put Joseph in the White House, a Pharaoh house. Israel was in slavery for 400 years, but God called Moses. Moses, thy servant is dead, but God used Jacob, used Joshua to lead the conquest of Jericho. It's but God. Saul went astray. He went rogue. He was going to be the king he wanted to be. But God had a little shepherd boy in the weeds. Um, Daniel was tossed in the lion's den, condemned to die. But God closed the lion's mouth. The three Hebrew boys were put in the fire. But the fourth person showed up. But God. God went silent for 400 years. He didn't speak to his people. Complete silence. But the word became flesh. It dwelt among us. Man hated him, rejected him. They would not know him. They wanted to stone him every second they got a chance. But Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was nailed to the cross, mocked, ridiculed. He was, he was, they mocked him, they jeered him. But he prayed, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The devil thought he defeated them. Put them in the grave for three days. Thought it was over. The devil thought he had victory. But Acts 13.30 says, but God raised them from the dead. It's a but God book. I pray you have had that but God moment in your life. No one's born a Christian. No one's born saved. No one's born a new creature. You're all born with old things. We were all born that way. God, I praise God, he got a hold of me. And that's where we see the resurrection here in this, in this verse. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. To be an ambassador for the Lord, you must be a new creature. My life changed in 2006. I heard the gospel. God got a hold of me. After that day, you know what I didn't do? I didn't drink anymore. I didn't smoke anymore. I didn't club anymore. I didn't fornicate anymore. In 2007, I met my wife, Tierra Pearson. I met her at Wendy's. I like to call her my little chocolate frosty. The best thing I ever ordered at Wendy's was her number. They had a lousy menu, or they have a lousy menu. I, I, I met her. You know what I thought? I'm going to save this woman. I'm, I'm saved. I'm about to get this woman saved, and we're going to run for the grace of God. We're going to run for the gospel. We're going to do it all together. In 2007, we dated, and I preached, and I preached, and I, and I just threw on everything I could on that woman. But we were oil and water. We did not mix. I pushed her away in my, my zealous youth. Be, be patient with babes in Christ. They're, they're zealous. We're, we're very zealous. And it's good. But it can be a little overbearing. And God had to humble me and show me, Daniel, you can't save anyone. I do the saving. So we broke up. I was heartbroken. We moved on. I moved on for eight months. Faithful to the Lord. Celibate for the Lord. Single for the Lord. And then in his grace, he brought her back to me. And in his grace, he brought her to the same church I was going to. I was attending at the time. And we sat on the front row. And she heard the gospel that Sunday morning in 2008. And God got a hold of that woman. The woman she is today is not the woman she was before 2008. God changed her life. Old things passed away. If you want to know her testimony, please just ask her. God got a hold of her. Marriage started. All things become new. That was not on my bucket list as a teenager. Uh, I pray you don't listen to much hip-hop songs, but in those days, those songs wasn't telling me get married to a woman. I, 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 those songs wasn't telling me mm, stay with one woman and love her like Christ loved the church. No, 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 no. It's but God. Is the reason why I'm married. They've been married for 12 years. It was not my choice. It's not my, Daniel's such a good man. No. God's grace. When it gets a hold of you, everything changes. Then we got a family. New things. God gave us Sariah in 2011. If you will, Sariah, raise your hand. Sydney, he gave us Sydney in 2012. In 2014, he gave us Daniel. In 2017, he gave us David. In 2021, he gave us Darius. Those are new things. It's not Daniel. Before 2006, 
being a father of five was not on my bucket list. It was not one of my goals. One of my five-year goals, Daniel, they asked you in high school, what do you want to be in five years? It was not being married and having five kids. Believe me. God changed. I'm a new creature. I don't thumb up my nose at um, pro-choice, abortionists, liberals, because if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I. It's God's grace. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go you too. Because we're all selfish. Five kids means there's less money in my pockets. I love my money. Being married to one woman for the rest of my life, sharing a bank account with her, was not something I really, really wanted to do. Unselfish by nature. But God, he's gracious. He changes your goals. He changes your life. If any man tells you I'm a new creature and they are still fornicating and running around doing all the things they're doing, they're lying. Don't believe the cheap grace religion that's going on out here in this world. You can smoke a couple, drink a couple, and be a Christian. Christian liberty. That is a lie from the devil. Paul tells me that's a new creature. When Paul got saved, he didn't kill a couple of more Christians after he got saved. He didn't say, Lord, can I just kill a couple? I mean, I don't kill everybody anymore. Just let me kill demons. He left me for the world. Let me hunt him down. Let me just kill those Corinthians. They are getting on my last nerves. Let me just kill a couple of them. No. When he got saved, he stopped killing Christians. When we get saved, we stop doing old things. It's a new creature. There's a new person here. And that leads to our second point this morning. There's a new position. Paul paints for us this new position in verse 20. Thou, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Ambassadors in a land, a foreign land, that's not their own. He has a different citizenship. Jesus prayed this in John 17, 16. He says these words, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And ambassador is not of the world. He's in a new position. How? Not because the ambassador is such a good person. Not because the ambassador is, is so much better than all others. No. We love the world. We rejoice in the world. We were willing to die in our own worldliness. But because Jesus died on the cross, so to reconcile the world unto himself. That's how we get this new position. We've been reconciled to God, a brand new position. Remember this, we had all the sin. Jesus had none of it. We had all the sin over here. And God picked it all up and put it on his son when he put him on that cross. You know why God forsakes him? You know why God left his son to hang and why he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he put our sin on him. All of our sin. 
past, present, and future, all of it has been placed on Christ. He took it. It's a new exchange. On that day when the Lord was crucified, you remember Pilate gave Jesus Barabbas' sentence. That cross was made the week before for Barabbas. That cross was meant for Barabbas. Pilate said, I find no fault in Jesus. But the crowd, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. He took the sentence that was meant for Jesus, I find no fault in him, and put it on Barabbas. And he put Barabbas' sentence on Jesus. That's what God did for me and you on that day. He took my sentence, crucify, I should die, I should die for my sins, I should go to hell for my sins, I should be damned for my sins. He took that sentence that was over my head, a child of wrath, he put that on Christ. And then he took Christ's sentence, I find no fault in him, and he put that on you, he put that on me. If you are born again today, he put that on you. I find, God has declared, he has justified. I find no fault in Landmark Baptist. I find no fault in Paul Jackson. I find no fault in Daniel Pearson. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. He finds no fault in us because of the blood of Christ. Because he took our sentence. The curse was announced. Blessed. The damned were given clemency. The dead were given life. The slave was proclaimed free. The liar was set forth as being truthful. The murderer was declared as innocent. The fornicator was set forth as pure. The child of the devil was given the right to be called the child of God. The wicked was made righteous without any works. I didn't do one work to be righteous. To be declared righteous, I didn't do one good thing. No, 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 no. Christ did it all. He paid it all. Praise the Lord. He praised, He paid it all. David rejoiced in this. Romans 4, 6. David rejoiced in this fact. He said these words. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. I didn't do one good thing to get this good position, but I'm righteous. How? Believe. How can you become righteous today? Believe. Believe in Christ. Believe that he died in your place. Believe that he took your sentence. Believe that he took your cross. Believe, believe, believe. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart, that God have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all it takes is to believe. I was talking to my children last night about being reconciled to God. And I said, somebody's got to punish, somebody's got to get punished for your sins. I said, it's either going to be you or Christ. You're going to, you're going to face your punishment. You're going to take your punishment for your sins in hell forever. Or you can say, Jesus took my place. Believe that Jesus took your place. You know what all my kids did? They did um, high go seat. Not it. Not me. Not me. I love that answer. Not me. Listen to me today. If you're lost in your sins, you're going to 
pay for your sins in hell forever or Christ is going to pay for your sins on the cross. Your sins are not going to go unpunished. He doesn't just say, oh, I forgive you and just toss your sins behind him. No, 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 no. You're forgiven because someone's got to bleed. Someone's got to suffer. Who is it going to be? You or Christ? I pray this morning that you would say, not me. Not it. He did it. He took my punishment. Not me. That leads, lastly, to a new passionate purpose. A new passionate purpose. Let me close here with this last point. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You know, when you get a new position, when you believe the gospel, you don't just go on living your American dream. You don't just go on living life the way you want to live and have God to help you out. No, that's not being a new creature. When you're a new creature, you become a beggar. You become a beggar in the sense of you plead with souls. Come know this Savior. Come know this man who can make you a new creature. I think about the woman at the well. She, she met Jesus. She had a long conversation with Jesus. She came for water, but she recognized after the conversation, I don't need this water. She left her water pot. And she ran. What did she run to do? She went to, God, she went to Bible college. No. She went to discipleship one-on-one. No, not saying those things are bad things. But you know what she did? She ran into the city, the very city this, the church went into, the very city that the disciples went down to to buy some chicken. I, I like to think they're Baptists. They went to buy chicken. And they said, Jesus, come on. Eat the meat, Jesus. We brought you back the meat. Eat your chicken. They went to that city just to go and live life and have a glorious meal that afternoon. When she ran to that city, she went to tell somebody about the man who showed me all that I ever have done. Have you lost that joy? Have you took the go out of the gospel? Have you lost the joy to tell people about Christ? At the beginning, you told everybody, I found the church that is wonderful. Oh, they preach the gospel. Oh, join me at church. Join me at church. Come to church with me. Oh, I've, I've been saved. I've been sanctified. You need to know this Jesus. He is a savior. Now you're just bored with Jesus. You're just going through the motions. You're not abiding with him. You know what that word abide means? It's a, it means me know. It means make Jesus your home. Make Jesus your home. You know what we do? This is the way we abide in Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to come on Sunday. I'm going to sit back there in that pew. And when I leave here, Jesus, you stay right there. Hold my Bible. I'll be back. I'm going to go live our life. Can we come back the next Sunday and say, Jesus, I'm abiding in you. So stay right here. If I have time, I'll come Wednesday. If I have time, if I have a little time, I'll give you a little read in the morning. But no, no, I'm not... I pray that Jesus is not on the outside of your life. Like the later see a church in Revelation 3. Jesus is knocking on his church door. His church. 
He's on the outside knocking like a beggar. But he makes a gracious proclamation. If any man opened unto me, don't, bring God, don't blame God's sovereignty on, the, on, on, on your lack of reading your Bible. Don't blame God's sovereignty. No, no, he gives his people free will. If any man opened up to me, he gives his Christians. When you are a born-again believer, don't blame God on your lack of walking with the Lord. Don't blame God on the reason why you can't talk about the Lord to your, to your co-workers, to your family members, or your lack of praying every day. Don't blame God. No, 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 no. If any man opened up to me, I would come up to him. That church, they thought they were rich. They thought they, would, they had gold. They had this. He said, you don't know that you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Oh, I pray this morning, if you have lost that passion, that woman at the well didn't know anything. But she went into that city to tell everybody about Jesus. Come see a man. And she was unashamed of her sins. Come see a man. Remember, she had five husbands. One on six. They wasn't her husbands. Can you imagine the people in her, that city looked at her like, another husband? We got to come see another man. She didn't think about that. She was unashamed of the gospel before Paul ever said it. She said, come see him. And they did. And a revival was started in that city by a woman who was an outcast, who didn't know much, didn't know anything. What she thought she knew, she knew nothing. Jesus said, you know not what you talk about. Oh, put the gold back in the gospel. We need a passionate purpose. And that's what he gives us here. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled. That word pray. It's the only time in all the Bible it's not used towards God. It's not used towards a, a, a Jesus. It's used towards unbelievers. He said we are praying. We want unbelievers to be reconciled. I'm begging you. Be ye reconciled. We need to beg the, 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 the loves. We need to plead with the loves. We need the desire to ask, to want the loves to be saved. And he says we do this in Christ's stead. You are Christ's mouthpiece. I, I heard this quote. It says, don't preach the gospel. Use as little words as possible. That's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. You imagine turning on a news station and they don't have no reporters. The person's just standing there. They're not talking about the incident. They're just showing you video. They don't tell you where, when, how. That's foolishness, right? You would turn that news station off. We need to preach the gospel. Open our mouths and plead with lost people. Come be reconciled to Christ. The gospel is to be preached, not to be lived. It was lived 2,000 years on Calvary. He already fulfilled the gospel. He already lived the gospel. It's not your job to live the gospel. You're too flawed to live the right gospel. I don't want people to watch me. I'm a fall. I'm a fail too much. I want them to come here, man. I want them to come here, Christ. So... Paul says, we are talking in his stead. We're talking in Christ's place. We are ambassadors. We're speaking on the behalf of the king. Two motivations here. He says, the terror of God. The terror of God should be a motivation for you and me. 
verse 10 in our text. Verse 10. Let me give you two motivations here that Paul gives us. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. One reason you need to preach the gospel is because hell is real. Hell is real. The judgment day is coming. And guess what, Christian? You're going to have to face God on judgment day. Not for your sins. No, not for your sins. Jesus says to his churches, I know thy works, not your sins. Remember, all our sins were placed on Calvary. But you will be judged for your works. I will be judged for my works. How well I do the ministry that God has given us at Candy Heights. How faithful I am to the ministry. We will be judged for our works, good and bad. Oh, we must preach the gospel. Because judgment day is real. You will be rewarded for your works. Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 2. That we will come, some of us will come out naked. What we built on the foundation is all worthless. We will come through the fire naked. I don't know about you. I don't want to be naked on judgment day. I want to have some rewards. I, I'm jealous for some rewards. It's good. This is, this is good prosperity gospel preaching right here. We need to be jealous for some rewards on judgment day. You should want to be rewarded by Christ. You should want to have that crown put on your head. And yes, you're going to throw that crown back at his feet. But you should want that crown. You should want that crown. The terror of God. I know we live in a religious country. I'm going to a religious community. It's irreligious and religious. I know. But as much as we are in a religious country, we are in a sinful, wicked country. That's an oxymoron, right? It has so many churches but have so much violence. They have so many churches that have so much uh, evil, so much wickedness, so much abortion, plant uh, parenthoods everywhere. They have all this wickedness. They have so many churches. Why? How, how can this happen? Why? Because religious people go to hell. Religious people go to hell. I know it's religious. It don't matter. Jesus tells us one story about a man in hell. A real story, a real life story. He could have told us many stories about people in hell, but he gives us one. He wasn't a fornicator. He wasn't Hitler. He wasn't an atheist. He was a son of Abraham. He looked up, lifted his head and said, Father Abraham. And then Father Abraham replies to him, Son, you had your time. He's in hell. He could sing the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. <laughs> he was one of them. And he's in hell. And Jesus tells us that story. Why? Because hell is full of religious people. Full of it. We should preach the gospel because hell is real. And it's really filled with a lot of religious people who think that their good works is going to get them to heaven. Then the love of Christ. And I'm done. 
He says these words in verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It makes us preach. He says this, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. If you love your country more than you love your your real country, your real citizenship, which is in heaven. If you love your country more than your real citizenship, you're no good as an ambassador. An ambassador that goes over to, to China and represents America and does everything in the beneficiary, do, do, he does everything to benefit China more than he does for America, is no good to America. And if you live for this world, Christian, and you are devoted to this world, and your love is more for this world than for Christ, you're no good for an ambassador. I know the temptation. I live in America. We're planting a church in America, in the inner city of Cincinnati, Ohio, Candy Heights. I know the temptation to love freedom. This is the, I, we have a, a greater temptation than foreign missionaries, at least, because we have so much freedom, so much play, so much fun, so many sports, so all of this. To plant a church here is becoming, it's hard. But we must love our citizenship in heaven. We must love the God of heaven more than this world. Child of God, love God more than this world. Don't fear man more than God. The reason why most Christians, why we're inefficient ambassadors, because we fear man more than we fear God. We love man more than we love God. That's not going to be a fruitful ambassador. Our goal is to plant the Lord's church in the inner city of Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a, it's a community like any other. It's becoming harder and harder in this community. It's, get, it's getting harder and harder. I hate to say it this way, but uh, among African Americans to reach them with the gospel. Uh, I'm not a... The Bible, the gospel is inclusive. We preach to everyone. We preach to all. But God, he has been drawing African Americans our way more than anything, any other culture in our community. And I praise God for that. But the hearts are hard. I have been called whitewash for preaching the KJV Bible. I've I've been called how how can you preach that European Western religion and they refuse to listen to me because of it? This woke culture that we live in is becoming, it's making hearts harder, more bitter, more angry, and it's getting people away from the gospel. It's the devil. It's a religion called Hebrew Israelites. It is the devil's religion. They're pushing bitterness and hardness on African Americans. And it's getting impeding the gospel. But you know what the gospel can do? It can tear down all strongholds. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. It's a stronghold tear. It can tear down the greatest walls in the hearts of man. And that's what we're being, that's what we're banking on. The gospel. That's what we're going to preach, the gospel. 
I don't know where God's going to put us. I pray that he's looking for a building because I'm not looking for one right now. We're on the road. But I know he is looking for a building. And he's going to give us a place to proclaim his word. He's in control. He can do what we can't do. Please pray for us. Pray for my family. Pray for me. I'm a man with clay feet. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. But yes, I can still fall into sin. I hate it. That's the new creature in me. I detest myself. I despise myself when I fall into the sin. But yes, I can. If David can fall, if Peter can fall, if Noah can get drunk after getting off the ark, who am I? Pray for me. I need your prayers. Pray for my wife. The second person on the devil's hit list after the pastor is the pastor's wife. He wants to tear her down. He knows if he tears her down, he'll tear me down just a little bit more. And he'll tear down this word just a little bit more. And tear down my motivation. And tear down my encouragement, my joy, just a little bit. Please pray for my wife. She has to deal with all sets of her kids. I'm including myself in that number. Pray for her. And pray for my kids. That they won't just see this as daddy's ark. I love Noah. In the, in the midst of a wicked generation, everyone went to hell. Everyone in his generation was wiped out by the flood. Everyone went to hell. But he got all his kids on the ark. What a missionary. What a man of God. What a father. Pray for my children. I don't believe his children were just watching his, their daddy build the ark. They were out there helping him build the ark. I don't believe that daddy was the only one preaching righteousness. I believe his sons was right along there with daddy. Amen, daddy. Amen. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached righteousness for 100 years. He built that ark for 100 years. What a faithful man. Pray for my children that they don't just see this as daddy's ark. That they don't just see this as mama's ark and we're forcing them on there. No, they want to get on it too. They want to preach and see sinners get on it too. Pray for my children. Our community's 4,400 people, but we're not just stopping in our community. We're going to Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, I love the way Jesus says that. He says, do both at the same time. So we're going to outer communities as well, but Candy Heights is where we want to plant the church. We've been there, living there for nine years now. Um, there's many churches in that community, but no one has ever come to preach the gospel to my family. I don't need it. Praise the Lord. But the Jehovah Witness keeps knocking. Keeps knocking. They stop knocking. Because I rebuked them with the gospel and they dust their feet off and left. But they keep knocking at my neighbor's door. Spreading their false gospel. While there's churches in our community. They look good. Oh, some big churches. But they're just like the U.S. Alabama. I don't know if you've ever been to U.S. Alabama. Beautiful ship. I loved, uh, I loved it. Me and my family was able to tour it, look over it, look at the World War II, just listen to the talks, see all the different doors and, and the different places that people stayed in. It was just a wonderful experience to see these soldiers, think about these soldiers on this massive army ship. But you know what that ship is not doing today? It's not fighting any more wars. It's just a museum. It has the gun. It has the big guns. But they're not shooting anymore. It's just sitting there 
doing nothing. And there's so many churches in my community saying that. Beautiful. They're not fighting in the war. They're not going against hell. Jesus told us the church will prevail against the gates of hell. You know, you know what that means? That means we run to the gates of hell. We don't run from the gates of hell. If the, if the gates of hell will not prevail, we're going towards them. But they're not doing that. I don't want to condemn them. I pray that God save people in there and get them back to being ambassadors. But I want to plant a church that's going to fight. It's going to get in the fight. Fight against this culture. As churches in my community put the LGBT flags on their church. Blasphemy. We're living in the last days, but we're trying to appease the culture. What a sad day we live in. Please pray for my family as we go to plant the Lord's church. Even though it's a sad day, it's a wicked day, the ark still got to be built. That's the good news. We still, we're still in the church age. We're still in the day where God says, come, come to me. All ye who labor, come unto me, and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. If there's someone lost today, I pray. You're not a beggar, Lord, in the sense that you just, you so need people to come to you, Lord. No, 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 you're sovereign. You're king on the mountain. But Paul encourages us to plead in your stead. Lord, I pray today that someone would, that, that does not know you today, they will see you as the savior they need. Not the drinking, not the girls, not the boys, not popularity, not Facebook, not Twitter, not all these devices in this world. No, none of those things can bring us fulfillment. It's you, Lord. If they have not tasted and seen that you are good, let today be that day. And Lord, if there is a Christian today that has lost their joy, they know, they know it. They know that they are just going through the motions. They have taken the go out of the gospel. They have put you on the outside of their, outside of their lives. And you're knocking. Oh Lord, I pray if that man's here today, let him open that door and let you come back and live like you abide in him and you abide in him and he abides in you like we are meant to be, like we are meant to do. Lord, help us abide in you. Help us fight this war against sin. Let us fight, Lord. Be soldiers, good soldiers. Not entangled with the affairs of this world, but true ambassadors who preach your word for your glory, for the sake of souls. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.